You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as today your Indiana Hoosiers beat the Arkansas Razorbacks 63-60 to at a raucous Simon Scott Assembly Hall to win their second NIT game and advance to the third round where they will play the winner of Wichita State and Clemson. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips, and we're going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And look, I think it's pretty simple here. 61 to 60, 6.1 seconds to go. Devontae Green gets fouled, has a chance to step up to the line, make it a three-point game, and he steps right up and knocks down the free throws. Hit the first, hit the second, puts the Hoosiers up 63 to 60, which is the deficit, of course, by which they would win by. And it punctuated a terrific day for Devontae Green. Now, it wasn't perfect. There were a few turnovers, there were a few bad shots, but overall he was outstanding. 18 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, and a block shot for Indiana. And it was the timing of when he produced. He had a big flourish in the second part of the first half that, that allowed Indiana to take a 22-17 to deficit and turn it into a 30-28 to halftime lead. And he had another flourish in the second half, where after Indiana went down 48-47, to he, you know, and... and that happened in part because of a couple bad turnovers by him. He ended up making a few plays, knocked down a three, had that great give and go with Juwan Morgan. And I thought that play in particular was indicative of this kind of new Devontae that we're seeing, where instead of forcing it, instead of trying to make a home run pass or shot there, he just got it to Juwan, continued cutting, Juwan found him, and he scored. And it wasn't just on the offensive end. Devontae's defense was outstanding. You'll recall the absolutely great defensive possession that he had that ended in a block, which ended up forcing a shot clock violation. So on both ends today for Devontae Green, leadership, production, timely shots, big plays, he was really, really good. And there's really, there's nobody else that you would have wanted on the free throw line needing to knock down two free throws. And that's a sign of the maturity of Devontae. And as we continue to, you know, watch this NIT and root for the Hoosiers and hope they can go as far as possible while also keeping our eye on next year and what this means for next year's team, his emergence and another great game, you know, an honorable mention to Deron Davis as well, who really responded to his coach's challenge, brought some leadership, brought some energy. Those two guys who are soon to be IU seniors and the big leaders for this program really stepped up in a big way to help lead Indiana to this victory. We'll talk more obviously about both of those guys as we go through today's show. Today's Hoosier Proud banner moment brought to you as always by our friends at Hoosier Proud and Home Field at homefieldapparel.com. You will find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel that is available anywhere. And at hoosierproud.com, you'll find great state of Indiana themed apparel while sending 10% of your purchase to causes around Indiana like the Hoosier Veterans Assistance Foundation. Both brands were started by an IU grad and all Hoosier Proud and Home Field apparel is designed and printed out of Indianapolis. And with the NCAA tournament and NIT in full swing, be sure to check out all of Homefield's officially licensed IU designs. And they've recently added several fantastic new items. So make sure that you check them out if you haven't been to the website in a while. They now have a tri-blend bison t-shirt. They've had the sweatshirt. We've told you all about that. I wore that sweatshirt this morning when I went to my daughter's uh, little soccer class that she had. And so we told you a lot about that hoodie. But now that winter is transitioning into spring, you can get the t-shirt so that you can wear that comfortable tri-blend material with the awesome vintage IU Bison logo year-round. Uh, in the words of Chat Mobber Megan. It's a big freaking deal. It is. So you need to go get that shirt. Uh, and in addition to the Bison tee, there's also a hoodie version of the script Indiana design and a sweatshirt version of the sneakers design. Get a brother, get some coupons. Of course you can. Use the promo code assembly at checkout to get 15% off your order on either site. That's promo code assembly at hoosierproud.com and homefieldapparel.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some thoughts from the rest of our team 
Today, that is one man, Ryan Phillips, who is back making his triumphant return here to uh, postseason assembly call shows. Ryan, your opening thoughts on today's Indiana victory. Yeah, it's nice to be here after uh, an NIT show. I clearly missed the first one because I was flying and screaming at the television on JetBlue uh, during the game. Um, it, it, what I want to say is that, first of all, Devontae Green, 18 points, 11 rebounds, made those key free throws at the end, as you mentioned, Jared. Uh, the four turnovers I can absolutely live with because this kid's making big shots. He's engaged. He's grabbing rebounds. He's making great passes. That pass from him, that post feed to Morgan, where Morgan then gave it back to him because he cut hard. Just something we didn't see earlier in the year. This is a different Devonte Green. He is engaged. He is pushing, uh, and and he is. He looks like he's enjoying being out there, as opposed to you know there were parts of the year where it felt like he was sleepwalking through games. Um, it's been great to see him break out because if he's back next year, again that's that's another score that this team will need on the perimeter. And I think next year he won't be as invaluable as far as that scoring goes, where he can have a game where. He doesn't play particularly well, and other guys will step up. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was even though his stats weren't great as far as on the offensive end, I thought Rob Finnessy had a fantastic game just breaking that press and dealing with the pressure, and you could see the difference when he came out and they put Devontae Green as the guy trying to break the press, and it back-to-back times, he, he turned the ball over. That's how ferocious that Arkansas defense is, and Finnessy just made it look easy all day, made it look easy um he did have two turnovers but two of five from the field he only had seven points but he had seven rebounds five assists and he played 37 minutes which again happens because romeo lankford's out uh from what i've heard romeo lankford almost certainly will be back for the next game uh unless you know his back really badly flares up again and so the fact that this team was able to survive two games without him shows that everybody else has stepped up and been better uh, one guy I want to mention, too, is Al Durham was one of eight from three, but I didn't have a problem with any of the threes he took. They were all good shots. And you look at that number, and it's ugly. Two of 12, one of eight. First of all, when he was going to the rim, I thought he got fouled two or three times where they didn't call it, too. Uh, we've talked about that this year. They just Story don't, of his career. They just don't respect him on calls this year. I don't know why. I hope that changes next year. But I thought Al was fantastic defensively. Uh, and again, when you get open threes like that, first of all, his shot has been a little off since he dislocated his fingers. Uh, I think that where was that? Was that Michigan State? Michigan where, State. It was yep. Michigan State where he dislocated his fingers and uh, his finger. And, and since then, uh, his shot's been a little off, but I didn't have a problem with any of those looks. A few of them went in and out, went down and out. And uh, so I would encourage Al to keep shooting those if he's open, uh, honestly. And he played 36 minutes, played fantastic defense, and and was a huge part of the win while not having a great offensive game because that's the player Al is. I mean, if he just it goes, you know, all out defensively, he winds up having a big game. And I also wanted to say I thought Zach McRoberts made some really key contributions in the 10 minutes he was in there. Uh, he wasn't in much, but when he was in there, he really made some key contributions. And and his hustle, it was the most alive we've. I think I forget who it was who tweeted that. It might have been Zach Osterman, but said this is the most alive we've seen him in months. And it's true. He looked really good, really engaged. And hopefully, we can get us some more minutes moving forward. I'd, I'd say the same for Evan Fitzner as well. He continued to look like a guy who can play in spots and do some stuff for you. So a lot of really good performances today. That was my takeaway. Yeah, no, no question. You know, you bring up a great point about Finnessy, and we're going to talk about him more when we get to the meaningful moment that you might have missed because the leader in the clubhouse for Banner Moment for a while was a stretch that he had in the second half, which was huge, and we're going to talk about that. Um, but I want to highlight the bench, which you got, you know, you got, I mentioned Deron Davis in my in the Banner Moment. You mentioned Zach McRoberts and Evan Fitzner. There were four guys on Indiana today who had a positive plus minus. Rob Finnessy was one of them. The others were the three bench guys. And, you know, I, I don't think that's a coincidence. It's not to say that the other guys didn't play well. But, you know, number one, there was a noticeable energy and toughness difference when Zach McRoberts and Deron Davis got into the game. You know, Indiana had poor starts, again, at the beginning of both halves. Uh, if you look at it, Indiana was down 17-7 uh, to at the under-12-minute timeout of the first half. And then Arkansas went on a 12-7 run right at the start of the second half as well. To say that, to, to say that though, I didn't think Arkansas was playing particularly well. I thought they hit some pretty lucky shots that just kind of angled in or bounced in. They had one that went off the backboard and in. They, they weren't getting great looks, so at least Indiana brought it a little bit defensively to start the game, and Arkansas had a little you know luck with the ball going in. And yes, the issue, though, offensively. Yes, right. 
Yes, because they were playing very tough and kind of taking our space away from us. We were turning the ball over. And I thought when Duran got in there, as he has done when he's played really well this year, he kind of gave Indiana a little bit of a confidence and a toughness about them. And I thought Zach McRoberts did the same thing. And it just seemed to kind of change the tone and tenor of the game and how Indiana was playing. And in the second half with Fitzner, you know, this was mentioned on the broadcast, and it was absolutely correct. Indiana's offense was functioning its best when Fitzner and Duran were in there playing together because yeah, Fitzner he helped to space the floor. Fitzner. No, and our guards really did a nice job of getting the ball into Duran. He was assertive. Now, Duran was only 4 of 10 from the free throw line, but the fact that he got himself 10 free throws, you know, he was terrible against St. Francis. And Archie Miller called him out in the post game. He called him out in his comments this week and basically said he just didn't like what he was seeing from him, hadn't practiced well prior to that St. Francis game. He apparently had a few good practices, and you saw him at the end of the game with two minutes to go when he lost the ball, and he's diving out of bounds for it. He brought a different mentality. And, you know, sometimes, you know, with your bench, it doesn't necessarily have to be guys that are coming in, making shots and, you know, doing all these things. Sometimes it's the energy, and the guys really did that. And, you know, what What was different about this game that Indiana didn't have in some other games? You know, sometimes we've seen the starters struggle a little bit, but there's no bench to provide the lift. And today, those guys really did. And it is not a coincidence gotten, that they were all positive and plus minus. Yeah, and as they've gotten healthier, that's changed. And there's been a slow yeah. shift to that, especially when you move a guy like Devontae Green to the bench who can give you instant offense. You, move, you have a guy like Deron Davis on the bench who can give you offense, especially because Justin Smith did not play well today at all. It was one of the worst games we've seen from him in, two months uh he was just awful on both ends of the floor uh, i think that with some of these guys and you've seen it with deron davis maybe last week or the week before too where he's just i think he's worn down i really do i think it's a situation where he didn't have the offseason conditioning he didn't have that and it's the end of the season and he looks gassed and he looks worn down and you're not going to be able to summon that effort we might be seeing the same thing with justin smith I, where he's just not able to summon the effort that he should be able to no, I, I'm I'm not I'm not forgiving it. I'm saying that he's just cruising through games, and I think that it's one of those things where a combination of when you get tired, you need to push harder. You don't okay. need to like relax, and and guys need to know that. And I think Duran probably got caught up in the I'm just going to cruise. I'm just going to cruise, and you know, with, I don't think it's intentional. I think it is so, like a subconscious thing that when you're tired, you just not you, you don't play as hard, and and I think that you have to push yourself at this time of the year to play harder and play better. And I, I think we saw from Justin Smith today that he was just sleepwalking through the game and he wasn't pushing himself. And, you know, when you are tired, that is when, you know, that's why you run in practice and then we'll shoot free throws after that. You know, it's because... That's why you need your coach to hold you accountable and pull it out of you if you're not getting when, it out of yourself. And when you're tired, you need to be able to summon the extra concentration and the extra effort. And and I think that we just saw a guy like Justin Smith not do that today. And maybe Archie will get on him and, and push him in practice this week. I, I would hope so. But... Um, I, I do think when you're tired like that, you that is when you start to see guys show a lack of effort and intensity. It happens towards the end of the year. That's why it's so unique to win a national championship because you have to completely summon that energy, especially, you know, when you're, you're watching the NCAA tournament, you see something, guys are able to summon that energy because of adrenaline. And then when that wears off at a certain point in the game, who winds up playing well? And that, that's how you determine a national champion. So it's it's the same thing in this tournament. You've got to be able to push through that that exhaustion. And, you know, just a little bit more about the bench. You know, it was 16 to 7 Arkansas after that, you know, that under 12 minute timeout. And I'm looking at my notes here and it's all bench plays. You know, Zach McRoberts hustled to get a rebound off of Juwan Morgan miss, ended up getting it to Duran, who got fouled, make, made both free throws that made it 16 to 9. You know, then I noted that Duran was being really aggressive and patient, drew another foul. It kind of got Indiana's offense just on solid footing after really struggling earlier. Then that's when Zach McRoberts had his big block at the 10-minute mark. Uh, and then on... God, you know, how the, about the, that block, right? It was great. And the next possession down, Evan Fitzner hit a three. So, I mean, at a really critical juncture of the game, when Indiana had come out and wasn't giving that amazing crowd much to cheer about, those bench guys came in and totally changed it. That was huge. Hat tip to all three of those guys who really just had tremendous games today. Yeah, and I'll say about uh, Evan Fitzner when he hit that three, it was very much a senior move. He caught the ball. His first three, he kind of rushed it a little bit. He caught the ball, dribbled, reset his feet. And I don't know if he dribbled, but he reset his feet and then shot it and made it, and it was perfect. And and it, that was very much a veteran move to sort of wait. No, 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 I've got time. Recenter myself. Let's do it. And uh, I think he needs to do that more often because a lot of times he gets – 
people forget about him on the perimeter and and he's getting open looks and and the first the the, the one in the second half he shot he thought he made uh it came out of his hand perfectly it just went long but he was jogging back on defense and uh you know so he clearly thought he made that one he went Steph on the on the shot I tell you what, you know, Indiana was six of 22 from three point range, which, okay, ho hum. That's what's happened all season long. Yeah, right. But Al and Evan were two of 11, and I swear they could have been like seven of 11. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they were good looks. They shot them with confidence. Yeah. A couple of them rattled out. That would have totally changed the game. And that's, look, that's what's been missing for this team I'm is more, that kind of shot making, but they made up for it with the other stuff that they did. And I'm more concerned about the free throws than the missed threes today. I mean, because I, yeah. again, those were all good. You know, a lot of times what we saw earlier in the year when Indiana was missing threes, there were rushing him late in the shot clock or whatever, shooting him too quickly. Those were all open looks that, you know, sometimes they go down. Sometimes they don't. Obviously we know what, what's going on with Al's hand right now. It, it, you know, it might, you know, early game might've been affecting him more than it would if he's had a whole day to like, you know, warm it up. I and, knew you would get that in there sometime in the first. I mean, segment. look, I knew it. <laughs> dude, it was sloppy both ways again early. And you agree with me. You just make fun, but you do agree with me. That they should not be playing. Oh, right. I, I only, I only don't like it when it's, you know, shaded toward one side, but you're right. No, you no, do no, tend to get sloppier play. Heck. And, and you know what? A sloppy game favors, a sloppy fit game favors the road team and it favors the underdog because it takes whatever advantage you have and wipes it off the older team. It typically favors typically. Yeah. Um, there wasn't really an older team today though. Both teams are very young. So we are, we're the older team and we didn't respond very well to it. Not by (laughs) much, but I would say the second half, Juwan Morgan came out very slow and that's concerning. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Okay. Let's uh, let's move on here to the second segment. Coming up here as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over Arkansas, I'll point out today's meaningful moment you might have missed, which means we're going to talk about Rob Finnessy, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from this game. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. Hey, hey, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Another victorious episode as the Hoosiers defeated the Arkansas Razorbacks today, 63-60, to move on in the NIT. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking this game down. Ryan, it is time for today's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And, you know, we've talked about several of them already today. I mean, there were so many, you know, in a three-point game, you know, up and down, you know, both teams playing so hard. There's so many pivotal moments. Uh, You know, shoot one. One for Devontae Green that I thought was just indicative of, you know, his level of focus all day long is at the very end of the first half. It's 30 to 28, you know, coming at the end of the great stretch of play that he had. And it seems like a small thing, but Arkansas inbounded the ball. You know, they're coming up to try and get a last second shot. And Devontae is active with his eyes, his hands and his feet and deflects the ball out of bounds. Now, it's not a steal. It doesn't go the other way, but it totally discombobulates what you're trying to do. And then Arkansas isn't able to get a great shot after that. Those kinds of little things, you know, we, we haven't seen that from Devontae a lot, but you see it when he's locked in, and we've seen it a ton over the last six games. And I've got tons of those little plays written down in my notes. So, you know, a hat tip to him for that. But, you know, you could argue that the most pivotal stretch of the game, we've talked a lot about Devontae, and he was great, but you could argue that the most pivotal stretch of the game came early in the second half around the 1430 mark. Indiana's down 43 to 37. They really kind of, you know, sleptwalked through, you know, some of those early possessions. Arkansas scored 12 points, you know, before the first media timeout. Indiana just wasn't very locked in. And at that point down 6, Rob Finnessy absolutely took over. And so you could really any of the plays in this stretch were kind of meaningful moments that, you know, sometimes are easy to overlook when you then get a lead and kind of nurse it for the rest of the second half. But this is where it happened. Indiana scored 10 straight points to take a 47-37 lead. He scored or assisted on all of them. He had an assist to Juwan that that came off an offensive rebound. Then what was great about this stretch is he just got aggressive. He just decided, you know what, I'm going to drive, and if they're not going to stop me, I'm going to score, and if they are, I'm going to dish it. And so he drove and dished to Duran, who scored and got fouled. Uh, on the, the very next possession, he just takes it all the way. After Juwan had played some great defense on the baseline, Rob took it, drove it all the way in. That tied the ball game up. Then he played great defense. You'll, if you'll recall, kind of playing like a cornerback, almost got that interception when Arkansas threw the long pass, didn't get it, but then hustled back, ends up getting the steal, getting fouled. He made both the free throws, and then on the next possession, drove, drew the defense, dished to Juwan, 47-33. That 
was vintage Rob Finnessy right there. And it's something where, you know, as a young guy, he still isn't consistent enough to do that all the time. And there are, are certain opponents like this that play really physical defensively that he can struggle to kind of find his rhythm in. But once he finds it, he's so good. And it shows you what this Archie Miller offense can look like when you have a point guard that's really composed, can get into the teeth of the defense, and either finish or dish, which he can do. And so again, you know, the number seven points, seven rebounds, five assists. By the way, the guard rebounding today from Indiana, unbelievable. unbelievable. Making up for the loss of Romeo, who usually leads the way there. And two steals for Rob. But that he was good all half defensively. But that stretch offensively, when Indiana was really discombobulated, he just took over and started driving to the basket. And I think as he gets older and more confident, you'll see stretches like that more often in games where he just starts to take over. And, you know, it's so encouraging when you see that because you see what's possible with him. Your thoughts, Ryan? Sorry, I'm, I, the LSU-Maryland game just went final on a, a bucket at the end. I'm sorry. I'm very Who won? Distra- it's more- it's March Madness. Uh, LSU got a uh, Tremont Waters drove in for a layup at the buzzer after Maryland had hit a three to tie it. Oh, wow. Great finish. Um, but yeah, so LSU will be marching on, uh, which is lucky for whoever plays them because that game's going to be in D.C. and Maryland would have been playing in D.C. So sorry, guys. It's March Madness. I'm not turning that off during the show. Uh, no, I agree with you on Rob that, that there was a stretch there where all of a sudden it looked like he woke up a little. And and part of it is the fact that Arkansas plays such aggressive defense and he was relied upon to do so much just to get the ball into the front court uh, that maybe he wasn't as good offensively. Um, and they have some size and length that kind of bothered him a little bit. He went to the, the hole for layups a couple of times, got blocked. I mean, you know, it wasn't his ideal day. But when that guy finishes, man, he is an amazing finisher at the rim. He made three of his four free throws. But then again, guard rebounds, moved the ball well, assisted well, and he's always just so calm on the ball. He never freaks out. He never loses it. He is always focused. Um, here's what I think is the, you know, you want to talk about a meaningful moment, and and I guess I would even call put throw this in the stat category. Uh, I use last field goal came with 550 to go, um, but they managed to play defense and, and mm-hmm. hold Arkansas off at the end and Indian miss uh, missed eight of its last nine field goals uh, and, and uh, made none of its last six, but they stepped to the line when they needed to, they made free throws and they defended and made sure that Arkansas couldn't hit shots. I mean, you know, regardless of how disjointed the offense looked at times and a little bit slow, I never thought there were long stretches where it looked bad. I just thought that there were, you know, possessions where it wasn't great, um, which is called basketball, by the way. Uh, but I, it, but Arkansas shot 34.5% from the field. They shot 30.8% from three-point range. Joe, who's a phenomenal three-point shooter, Isaiah Joe, three of nine from three. It's because they didn't give him open looks. He got a couple, sure, but he's a guy who is constantly hunting for open looks and to only give up a few in, in that game is is impressive. And Indiana, second half, shot 45% or 44.4% from the field, made seven of 10 free throws. Uh, they did what they had to do to win. And and uh, I, I just, you know, that's what you want to see more than anything. You want to see fewer turnovers. You want to see, you know, them make a couple more threes. You want to see the offense maybe working a little faster and scoring more than 63 points. But they found a way to win, and that's ultimately the bottom line here, is, and that's what you want to see is a team that knows how to find ways to win. And, and we talked about that with the last Big Ten championship team. That team wasn't always pretty to watch. Um, when it was going and it was on high octane, it was amazing to watch. But there were games where they didn't play particularly well. But guess what? They figured it out in the end and found ways to win. And that's what you want to see from a program to sort of develop that mentality. And hey, look at it. Indiana's one game away from 21s this year. Uh, after what was a brutal stretch where none of us thought they were even going to make the NIT and all of that, they're one away from 20 wins. And that looks a heck of a lot better than 17 or 18. It's, I know it's only two more games, but when you're looking back on it, you say, hey, yeah, they won 20 games. And they're going to have a great chance at home on a weeknight with people in town to watch it. Uh, they're going to get a good crowd for that. They win it. They're going to Madison Square Garden. And I- I'm telling you, the opportunity available to this team is enormous, especially building towards next year. It is. I mean, you know, the other meaningful moment, man, is just the beginning of the game or like a half hour before the game when I'm seeing all these people tweeting about how great the crowd was. You know, we all wonder. There was 5,000 and change there for the first game. And everybody who was there said it was, you know, just enthusiastic. But everybody's kind of wondering, okay, you got the NCAA tournament. You got little five quals. It's an early afternoon game. How many people are actually going to be there today? 
And it, I mean, the, yeah, it was huge. It was I mean, it is so Big Ten games this year. Yeah, I mean, it is so great to see the fans embracing this. And you know, so you know, why why is the that. NIT meaningful? This because you're building positive momentum at the end of the season. And look at how many fans are getting are creating great memories from these games. And here so, I'll say this too: uh, uh, the opening game, I will give people credit. It was on very short notice. It was a Tuesday night. It was, you know, they announced it, what, like late Sunday night. I mean, I don't think students all got the message that you could, with a student ID, you could get in for free. I mean, so I will excuse people for not showing up for that first one. There was no, I mean, there were plenty of built-in excuses to not go today, and people ignored those and went anyway, and and I think that's great for, for the program and for the fans. No, absolutely. So let's look at some numbers, and we talked about on Thursday night, you know, the biggest indicators for this game, both because of what happened in the first game against Arkansas, because of how they play, and just because of you know their profile, Indiana was going to have to make free throws. They were going to have to get offensive rebounds and generate some second chance points, and they were going to have to limit turnovers. And if you did those things and you know played solid defense, which we expect from Indiana, you're going to win the game. Well, okay, the solid defense, Ryan, you talked about it. We're going to talk about it more as we go through here. You know, there were a few lapses at the beginning of the game and, and more especially at the beginning of the second half. I mean, that's where Arkansas wasn't making tough shots. They were getting layups and dunks because Indiana was lackadaisical. You know, the the play where the shooter, the free throw shooter got his own rebound and laid it in, which is what put him up six. That was pretty indicative of the kind of attention to detail Indiana was playing defensively. But, you know, they absolutely locked in during the second part of each half and they end up holding Arkansas to 0.88 points per possession. So that was big. They took care of business there. But as we know for Indiana, just holding a team down doesn't mean you're going to win because the Hoosiers held Purdue under 50 points and didn't win that game at home. You got to be able to get points. So outside of a big three-point shooting day, which Indiana didn't have, again, just six of 22, which has been pretty typical, the way this Indiana team generates points, you know, limit turnovers, well, 13 total. That's not great, but they had five early. And they really limited them after that. And, and you know, they're and over the final. And a couple more offensive fouls, too. So you'll forget. Like, I'll forgive offensive fouls as turnovers. I really yeah. will. I think there were three today uh, or four, maybe. And and so when you look at that, you know, they're not loose ball. They're dead ball turnovers. They're not, you know, passing the ball out of bounds or whatever. Some of them are stupid. Justin Smith running right into a defender. That's dumb. But yeah. at the same time, it's a dead ball where you can set the defense. And it's a little bit different. Yep. And, you know, look. Indiana ends up, again, as I said, with only the 13 turnovers, and they really handled the Arkansas pressure well there late. There weren't a lot of turnovers late. They were composed, ended up getting free throws. So check on that. 13 is a little bit too high, but you'll take that against Arkansas. Okay, offensive rebounds, second chance points. Indiana gets nine offensive rebounds. That number isn't maybe what you would expect against a team like Arkansas that gives up a lot, but Indiana turned that into 14 second chance points. In the first half, they had four offensive rebounds, eight second chance points. They were really efficient when they got those second chances at uh, at scoring points. And then from a free throw perspective, you know, 15 of 24, that's 62.5%. That's not what you wanted it to be, but they did make the big ones late. The two by Devontae Green, you know, outside of Deron Davis, who missed six, you know, they shot relatively well from the free throw line. They missed nine and Deron Davis missed six. So. Yeah. Yeah. And again, Deron, I and he I've, needs I've, to be better than that, but he does. And I've talked about it all year. And, and I mentioned, I, I was talking about it today uh, before I came on the air. It's like, the thing about free throws is it's all about your legs. And I think his legs are tired for this year. And his, you know, the Achilles is, is healed, but it's not as strong as it's going to be. You can see on his free throws, there's just kind of not a rhythm yet. And so it's kind of like, He's got to be better than that, but at the same time, you understand why he isn't. And and here's the stat that I'll give you, uh, Jared. Arkansas didn't make a fee, uh, uh, field goal in the last six minutes and 58 seconds of the game. Yep. That's, That's huge. Oh, yeah. The defense was really locked in there at the end. There's no question. And the free throw defense came back around because Arkansas made nine nice of their job. first 10 free throws and five of their last 10. So that, that, that kicked in nicely when we really needed it. We're to. still number one in the nation in that. I, I think we're number two, but uh, we're, <laughs> we're right up there. Always um, the I, You know, I, I'll tell you the other thing uh, when you look at this and look, you know, you think back to that first game and how dominant Daniel Gafford was inside. And so you knew that Arkansas wasn't going to be able to get as much done in the paint today, you know, just given the players that were left and kind of the profile. I mean, they're a jump shooting team, 
But overall, Indiana, you know, you give credit to this, uh, you know, credit to Juwan Morgan, credit to Deron Davis. When Arkansas did get the ball in the paint, they were challenged. And so Arkansas, 3 of 13 on layups. Now, a couple of those they probably should have made. But that includes the two at the beginning of the second half that were wide open because Indiana just didn't look at cutters. So outside of that, 1 for 11, I mean, they turned Arkansas into just a jump-shooting team and... You know, while that is kind of the game that Arkansas has to play without Gafford, you didn't give them a lot of easy ones. And that's yeah, what the pack line defense, that's what the pack line defense is meant to do. Right. And for the most part, once they got into the flow of each half, they really played it well. No, and, and one of those backdoor cuts was Rob Finnessy just getting completely lost. And again, yeah. it, it, well, that's again inexcusable. You understand it. He's a freshman, he's gonna have freshman moments. You can't expect too much out of these guys. So that one was just, you know, Finnessy just stood there like, oh. God, did I really just do that? It was just a wide open layup back door. Um, but yeah, you had some of that where it, they beat them early, but then they got locked in. And and uh, yeah, they made them a jump shooting team. You're absolutely right. And it worked for Indiana. Again, you held a, a team like that to 34.5% from the field. They were 34.6% in the second half. So it was pretty even across the board how they played. And uh, Indiana just, just out worked them defensively and look i think arkansas played very hard today you look at that team very hard very hard they were coming in to challenge and again it's the nit for them too uh there's you know you're watching all the teams you even some of whom you beat in conference play in the ncaa tournament it's hard to get up for these games from that mental standpoint but guess what they did and so did indiana both teams battled indiana started slow we're used to that they started slow in the second half because i think joan morgan took him a while to get warmed up um but yeah, I, I really think that both teams played very hard and deserve credit. I think Indiana just defensively just outlasted them. And I think Indiana defensively is just a better team. And Arkansas plays that really aggressive defense. But Indiana was uh, everything defensively you've wanted all year. You want a little more offensively. But, you know, look, you make three more of those three-pointers and this looks like a completely different game. Uh, you make a couple, Duran makes a couple more of those free throws and, and maybe this is a different game. But a tight we, finish. We don't make things easy on ourselves. No, that's never, sure. never, <laughs> never. I was sitting here and we were talking about, you know, why can't this team just blow somebody out? I really, especially because can't make they, enough threes. That's... Because here's the thing: is the St. Francis game where they finally stretched the lead out at the end uh, was in the middle of us landing in New York, so I missed that. I just checked it at the end. I'm like, whoa, they won by like 15. Like, I was, yeah, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, just a cu- couple more real quick notes. Indiana outscores uh, Arkansas off the bench 17-11. They outscore Arkansas in the paint 30-10, to which is absolutely what they needed to do with Gafford out. And the other thing is Indiana really did a nice job of taking advantage of fast break opportunities. You know, you mentioned how some of the turnovers were not of the live ball variety. Arkansas was only able to turn Indiana's 13 turnovers into 12 points. You'll take that. Indiana turned 11 Arkansas turnovers into 16 points. Which, again, Indiana has got to manufacture some of those easy buckets. And I thought Rob Finnessy uh, was really, really key in that because he pushed it often and either got a bucket for himself or helped created one for someone else. So Yeah, we had 16 fast break points today, and I would not have guessed that. It just seemed like both teams were getting back on defense and setting the, setting the defense early. So uh, I was surprised by that number. Uh, Arkansas only had 12. We had 16. But I was surprised it was that high. Yep. All right, coming up here on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's three-point victory over Arkansas. Got a couple other performances that we need to talk about. Talk about the day for Juwan Morgan, a disappointing day for Justin Smith. And then we look ahead here to what's next for Indiana and the NIT. That's next. Stick with us. Listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. While you are there, make sure that you sign up for our IU Hoops email newsletter. It is free. Over 6,000 of your fellow IU fans are subscribed. Again, go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to get that newsletter. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips. We're breaking down Indiana's victory over Arkansas. Ryan, let's talk real quick about. I don't want to cut you off. I know. I always say that. But Except one that stat did. we missed. One stat we missed that was really important that we missed. Points in the paint. Indiana. No, you missed it. I said it. Oh, well. So, I number one. I, I don't listen. Number weird. one, pay attention to the show. Number two, don't be disingenuous. If you're going to interrupt, hey, I want to interrupt you. 
don't right. stop with that. I don't mean to cut you off. Hey, I'm cutting you off. Let's just well, I always let's all be up front. We've been doing this for eight years. No, but so. what I wanted to say about the points in the paint was even though Deron Davis and Juwan Morgan didn't go off, Indiana was still getting finishes at the rim. And, and I thought that that was really important. And uh, the points in the paint advantage is this team, you know, develops Archie Miller's system. They're going to crush some teams in the paint, and that's what they did today. I mean, the fact that they kept Arkansas out of the lane when Arkansas wants to do a lot of that is is really impressive. And and I, it's really impressive that Indiana can continue to attack the basket even without Romeo um, and, and was able to get enough out of it. I, I thought that was fantastic. Um, a couple guys I want to talk about here. Number one, let's talk about Justin Smith um, because, you know, on a day where it really felt like everybody contributed positively to the victory, Justin really struggled to get going. And we saw it in the first game against Arkansas. You know, he got benched early in the second half because he kept trying to challenge Daniel Gafford down low. It wasn't working. You know, Demise Anderson played like 25 minutes that game and Justin really just could never get into the flow of that game. Couldn't get into the flow of this one. He played 13 minutes, was out for a long stretch until he finally came back in defensively at the end of the game. But zero Zero points, 0 for 3, had you know one of his worst bricks of the season on a long three-pointer. One rebound, two turnovers. It was very much a reversion to the worst of what we saw from him. And you know, I had and someone who was really bad defensively. He was. I had someone who was sitting close to the bench, you know, let me know that you know Bruiser Flint was just, I mean, just incensed with him at one point, you know, just yelling at him as he came off. And you know, I, I think it's interesting to juxtapose, you know, we know how important Justin's going to be next year. It's interesting to juxtapose the, you know, the flourish that Devontae Green has played with these last six games with the ups and downs for Justin Smith. And he kicks this team into another gear. You know, why does Indiana beat Michigan State? Because Justin Smith plays at an all Big Ten level. You know, why does Indiana have to, you know, win a game like this by three points at home? Because you don't really get much from Justin Smith and you got to compensate for that. And other guys have to step up. So, you know, I think we all would have loved to see him be a guy that really used these games to build momentum for next season. So far, we just haven't really seen it. And, and, and you know, hopefully he's able to get that turned around. But today was just not not a good game. And maybe there's something about this matchup in particular, you know, that, that he struggles with because he's not a guy who makes quick decisions offensively. And Arkansas forces you to do that because of the pressure that they play with. So, you know, he, he just hasn't dealt well in the in the 80 minutes that we've yeah, faced and, Arkansas and, this year. And we- We've seen good and bad from Justin over the last few weeks, but you know some really good actually, um, and we've been the first to admit that. Even though we've been pretty hard on him this year, I think that there was a flow there where it was like, hey, without Justin Smith, we don't win these a few of these games. Today was the opposite, and uh, I think that he was you know jogging up on offense, jogging back on defense, kind of thing. He got beaten really badly on defense. He just didn't have focus in this game. I don't you know, and I don't know if that's a problem for Justin or what, um, but he just didn't have. He wasn't locked in, and the two times he drove into the lane just to run right through somebody instead of seeing that they're going to take a charge and having the awareness to stop up and maybe shoot a floater or find somebody else to pass to were just indicative of when he's at his worst, and he just plowed right into two defenders. And, you know, I'm a guy who's who's very much like, well, every block charge is 50-50, and the officials make the... No, those were those definitely really bad charges. I mean, he just... Pla- it was like it, it was like a truck hitting somebody on the highway. Like, it was, you know, there was just no uh, adjustment made or, or, you know, no movement, and he just ran straight into him. And and you can't do that. I mean, that that kills momentum. Uh, it's one thing if like you go and it's a 50 50 thing and, and, you know, a guy steps in and you're at the last second, but those guys were planted in the lane for seconds and he ran right into them. And it, it's just a indicative of the lack of awareness that we've seen sometimes from Justin. Sometimes he's really aware. Sometimes he's really smart. Sometimes he's flying along that baseline, making great backdoor cuts and things like that. He just, he, he hasn't been that guy the last couple of games. And, um, you know, maybe it's a, a, just something, the same thing that happened with, a guy like Duran, where uh, they just need to sort of recenter him and refocus him. Al Durham, we mentioned this a little bit. You know, we we talk a lot on the show about the difference between shooting well and playing well. And you know, if Al had made you know three or four of those three pointers, which were all big looks, you know, he's in double figures, and you know, everybody's talking about how great of a game he played. I thought Al played well. 
you know, he is a guy who, in that first matchup, he was not ready for it. He led Indiana in turnovers with five. The game was just too fast for him. He, he also never really got going. A lot. Yeah, and I mean, he played 36 minutes. He only had three guards. And, you know, Devontae Green was sick earlier this week, had to have an IV, only practiced yesterday. Of course, he ends up leading the team in minutes at 37. You would never notice. But, you know, Al, despite going 2 of 12 from the field, and look, part of the role he has to play for this team is making shots. So that is part of it. Like, you're Al Durham. You've got to be able to step up and make those shots. But there are some days where they just don't go in. Okay, fine. What else do you do? I thought outside of a couple times early in the first half where he didn't approach shooters very well, you know, he decided to, um, you know, to go over a screen instead of chasing it, which he shouldn't do on Isaiah Joe. I thought he played really well defensively, you know, two assists to no turnovers, didn't have a ton of rebounds at only two. But I thought he did a lot of good things in 36 minutes. He just didn't score very well. You know, and wasn't able to draw fouls when he went to the basket, but he went aggressively. So, you know, the numbers might not suggest that this was another step forward for Al Durham. The eye test suggested to me that it was, especially compared to what he did against Arkansas last time. This is not a matchup he would have dealt with well, and I think it's a great sign as he goes from sophomore to junior, that he's able to really provide you some value in a game like this because he's going to have to be an everyday, every-game guy as an upperclassman for this program to get out of the NIT and into the NCAA tournament moving forward. Do you want Sorry, to I, was, I was still muted. Uh, yeah, I um, I know you were you were, you were were thrilled, and there's people out there who were very happy about it. Uh, no, I, I I agree. I think Al played so well defensively that you almost disc. You don't care what he does on offense. Some games, um, he was a big part of challenging that three point line. And and you know the the thing about Arkansas in this game is it wasn't like Indiana turned on the defense in the second half. They were four of thirteen from three in both halves. They were nine of twenty six in you know in the in the second half. And I think there were ten of twenty nine in the first half, something like that. And and so you know. This was defense across the board for Indiana that was fantastic the whole game, and Al was a huge part of that. Closing out on the perimeter, he's got those ridiculously long arms that he just—it's impossible to shoot over. And one thing I, you know, that Al and specifically Devonte did really well was they closed out with their hands up. You could see it all game. You could tell it was a point of emphasis. They closed out with their hands up. And, you know, they're—they're they're not going to close out with their hands down and then throw them up. They came out hard with their arms up looking to challenge the shooters uh, before they even knew they were going to shoot. And, and that's huge. And, and you look at Al again, one of eight from three, we've mentioned it several times. I had no problem with any of them. And, and um, you know, maybe he rushed a few a little uh, in his motion, not not rushing the shot, but rushing his motion. Uh, but other than that, I, I, I had no problem with any of those shots and those will start going down. And I think Al, especially with another off season of working on his shot and, and fine tuning it and tinkering is going to be a really good shooter coming up next year. And there have been times this year where he's been our most reliable shooter. So I have no problem with any of those. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Devonte green here, because obviously the biggest storyline of the last six games is his just explosion. You know, after four straight games from the Minnesota game to the Wisconsin game where he was in single digits, in three of those games, he played 20 or fewer minutes. He has now played at 20 minutes or more in every game since then, in the six games since then. Five of those games, he's played 25 or more minutes. In the last two, he's played 37 in both without Romeo in there. You know, and I saw someone in the chat mob posted, you know, to what do you, you know, kind of attribute Romeo's or, or Devontae's emergence? Is this a function of Romeo not being in there? I think what I would say about that is I think, you know, over these last couple games, it has, you know, kind of felt like there's almost a different sense of ownership that Devontae is taking these last couple games. But you can't just say that the production increase is because of Romeo not being in there because it's been six straight games where he's been in double figures every game. He's had four or more rebounds in three of those games. He's had at least one steal in every single game. His assist turnover ratio, it's 23 assists to... 12 turnovers. I mean, so this is now a six-game stretch. And I talked about this with Alex on Podcast on the Brink because, you know, the one thing that you get with the Big Ten tournament and the NIT is you get open locker rooms. So you actually get a chance to go talk to guys face-to-face. -face. And, you know, he and I, had, Alex and I had a conversation before the Michigan State game when Devontae was, you know, kind of in his worst rut of the season. And it was a common theme on this show, like, man, what is going on with him? He doesn't seem bought in. Like, is he going to be here next year? Like, what is going on? And, you know, Alex, not necessarily a guy to, for knee-jerk reactions or hyperbole, said, I really feel like something's changed with him. Like, I feel like the light switch has gone on. 
And certainly nothing we saw today would dispute that. And it is absolutely the most important development that can happen over since these last game. six games. It's since that yeah, game. It's I mean, since, even when they since lost that to Michigan Ohio, State game. Yep. And it's since they lost to Ohio Even when they lost to Ohio State, he was unbelievable. And he's yeah. so – the pure talent is so thick with that guy. It, it is. It, you know it is. And because you see it, the question is whether or not he's focused, whether or not he's doing the right thing. And, and it's again, it's that buying in and taking ownership. You said two great – buzzwords there that fit for him perfectly it's mm-hmm. it, it, you know if archie tells him look if you just play within this system the right way and instead of when as soon as you get the ball you pass it and then you cut and then you get the ball you're gonna have a much easier time making those shots that he likes to take beyond the arc you know and, and you saw it today yeah. a couple times he dribbled into threes and didn't make them but when he got them off of a reversal or playing inside out boom he nailed them because it's in rhythm and you know i feel like that's been you know sort of a you know Archie's been rolling the rock up the hill all, all this year with him. It's a Sisyphean task, if you want to hear from a writer. Um, it, it, it's But it, it, once you get that guy focused, and once you get him playing the way you want him to play, he's such a huge asset. Because let's face it, I'll take that guy shooting an open three right now. I will. And who else on this team can you say that about? I mean, it used to be Al, but since he hurt his finger, he hasn't been as good. Um you know, but I'll take that guy standing there looking at an open three right now because he's playing with such confidence. And that confidence is not coming from himself playing well. It's coming from playing within the system, playing good defense, and playing yep. from the defensive end forward. And that is just that's Archie's entire message. And it looks like Devante is finally getting it. That is the key. Like the offense is the most obvious and it's what gets the headlines, but you can really tell with him the consistency on defense and the rebounding, doing those things. So, you know, it's just, it's been, it's been such a, you know, it's such a joy to watch. Like this is why we like watching college sports because you see a guy who, you know, just goes through so many ups and downs and battles immaturity and, and all these different things. And then when the light bulb goes on and they start to get it and you see them unlock their potential, man, it is rewarding to watch. And it's been so much fun to watch him over these last six games. I mean, heck, the coach was predicting a game ball for him before this game. <laughs> when, you know, when did you think we'd get to that point in the season? So he's really stepped it up. And with each game where it stays consistent, you start to buy, buy into it a little bit more and you start to believe in it a little bit more. So, yeah, I mean, to answer that, you know, I don't think it has you know much of anything to do with Romeo being out. I think no, it has to do with no. I think Romeo it has to do with a guy. Lost. Right. I think it has to do with a guy buying in and just deciding. Look, I'm going to start doing the things that I need to do to be successful. And I will say the other thing is when Rob Finnessy can play 37 minutes and take on more of a primary ball handling role, and Devontae can be a secondary ball handler. You know, score that is huge, and we've seen that a lot this Since- year. Since he was recruited, we knew he was a combo guard. I mean, he's a shorter combo guard, but he's a combo guard. He's not a pure point guard. And I think that one of the things that Tom Crean said he wanted to do was turn him into a pure point guard who could also shoot or whatever. It just was never going to work for him. He's a guy who needs to hunt his shots and hunt assists. And you do that from more of a combo guard role where you look to make that sweet pass into the post and cut off of it. And and we saw that. That was a perfect example of what Devontae Green can do that very few other teams on, players on this team could do. Pass the ball into Juwan Morgan, make a quick, a quick like juke to one side, make a sweet cut over the top, and then hit a little floater in the lane. You know, Rob Finnessy could probably do that, but he'd have to finish at the rim. You know, Devontae just has that feel for the game where he can do stuff like that. But it's almost like he's been playing at half speed all year. Like he's thinking too much, doesn't know what to do, doesn't really like what he has to do in this offense. But it's almost like it feels like what Archie and the other guys have been preaching to him has finally gotten through. And he realizes, look, if you play your role in this offense, you're going to have plenty of opportunities to score the ball. It might not be on every possession. You might not be the primary guy who touches the ball in every possession. But if you play your role, you will get yours in this offense. Yeah, and look, you know, there's still some shots he needs to get out of there. Of that course. Three-pointer, that three-pointer that he took with a minute and a half. Be, I don't care how mature he becomes in the offseason and next year. That's He's going to take some heat check threes. He just he is. is. He is. And, and, somebody, and you don't yeah. and you don't want to take that out of him either. Like, that is a no. delicate balance. But it, it was funny when he took that shot. Archie's reaction was hilarious. He well, was and like, that, puts his arms up in the air. and <laughs> Somebody great. mentioned it in the chat. Juwan Morgan walked up behind him and just slapped him on the back of the head. Like, <laughs> yeah. a friendly love tap to be like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you know. Uh, but we know, like, you know, Juwan uh, and, uh, and 
Devontae and Duran are super close. And so I think that they have to keep each other. And next year, I think Duran is going to have to keep him in check as well. And, and he's going to have to be a guy who's just like, hey, calm down. You know, yeah. like it's we realize it. You wanted to do a Steph spin and run back on defense. But <laughs> come on. Yeah. Let's, let's, you know. Yep. Okay. Stuff. All right. Coming up in our final segment, we're going to hand out our game ball. We'll hit any other storylines that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, and then in last call, we'll deliver our final thoughts on another Indiana victory as the NIT March rolls on. That's next on the assembly call. Stick with us. Listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips, and we are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's second round NIT victory over Arkansas 63 to 60 in front of a raucous Simon Scott Assembly Hall crowd. And that'll lead us right into our game balls. And I'll, you know, I think we're both going to go in the same direction here for the game ball, but I do want to say just right off the top honorable mention game ball to the crowd. We talked about it before, but they absolutely showed up. You know, I joked before the game, Arkansas might be walking into the bear's mouth here because, you know, it's a different, it's a different type of crowd. Hey, that's, that's a great quote from you. So it is walking into a bear's mouth. No, it was because it's, you know, it's a different type of crowd. It's people who don't get a chance to go to the games a lot. And they're just so excited about that opportunity. And it's, it's just, that's been one of the best kind of side stories about the NIT so far. I've absolutely loved it. So certainly honorable mention game ball to the crowd who absolutely brought it. And I have to think made a three or four point difference in a game sure. like this. So big hat tip to them. Who gets your game ball today? Oh, did you call out game ball? Yeah, it's game ball time. Well, no, but did you call out who you're giving it to? You said honorable mention for the crowd. Did you give yours? No, I was going to wait on mine. Oh, I just okay. wanted to All give right. them one off the top. All right, I get that. Uh, Devontae Green, 18 points, 11 rebounds, three assists, played 37 minutes, played some great defense. Uh, the typical occasional lapses in his game that we're going to see that almost, you know, I hope we can look back on his career and kind of be like, nah, all right, it was fine. You know, is it sort of the good Troy, bad Troy thing that we used to do with Troy Williams? I mean, given where his career ended up, you wind up being fine with that. It's all about the development. Uh, if I had to give honorable mentions, it would be Jawan Morgan, 15.7 rebounds. Didn't think he had a great second half, but his first half really kept Indiana going. Uh, I think Finnessy certainly had a great game. And then uh, Deron Davis, just a steadying influence on both ends of the court, uh, certainly deserves a hat tip. But it's Devontae Green today, 18 points, 11 rebounds. We're big. Yeah, I agree. He made, those, he made those two free throws late too, which was huge. He did. Yeah, it's you know the most fun games are the ones where you've got a lot of guys up for game ball. But I definitely think it it goes to Devonte. But uh, you know, Rob Finnessy was absolutely huge today, as we mentioned. You know, he joined Devonte in really being a great guard rebounder. The five assists were big. The stretch that he had in the second half when the game kind of hung in the balance there when Indiana was down six, that was really big. And again, first half down ten, he hit a big three too. I mean, yeah, and and his. Well, no, Finnessy didn't hit any threes. Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I meant, I, I meant Green. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was Devontae. Um, but no, and, and look, and Rob's on-ball defense continues to be outstanding. And, you know, that's the thing from this game defensively, as we mentioned before. You know, Indiana holds Arkansas to .88 points per possession. You know, they're a team that really relies on their guards, especially with Gafford out. And, you know, Sills was able to score 18 points. Joe did get, you know, 12 points. But I thought, you know, overall, especially there late in the second half, Indiana's perimeter defense was really good. And and Devontae definitely had a huge part in that, but it's typically spearheaded by Rob. So my game ball does go to Devontae. I think he's the obvious choice. I think he deserves it. I think what he did at the end of the first half and the end of the second half, you know, was huge for Indiana. Um, but it's, hey, it's a great problem to have when you're trying to choose between your guards for a game ball because that is not something that's happened to us a lot over the last three years. And here's a great number if you're going to talk about those two guards. Uh, assists in the second half, eight on 12 makes. So they were moving the basketball. They were finding the open guy. And and helping out their you know their post guys and 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 everybody else. Yep. So as we look forward here, Indiana is going to play the winner of Wichita State Clemson. That game is not played until tomorrow. tomorrow. And then my guess is that the next round of NIT games will be Tuesday, Wednesday, because they're not going to want to compete with the NCAA tournament. So we don't know yet when Indiana will play. It will be a home game. So Indiana has one more home game. 
I have to think that crowd is going to be absolutely bonkers. The last chance to watch this team play, hopefully send them off to New York. Um, and boy, wouldn't it be fun to see Devontae Green playing like this, being able to go home to New York. At and MSG. Man, that's, that is, uh, again, just another great side story here. Um, you know, we don't have Andy here, so he was usually the one who gives us info on Wichita State or Clemson. Do you know anything about either team? Nope. No, not a single thing this year. <laughs> I didn't think have so. Not, I have not paid attention to the, either of those teams this year. So I haven't either. Where okay, Clemson is thirtieth in Ken Palm, so they're actually ranked higher than Indiana. They were obviously you know they were a number two seed, obviously close uh, to making the NCAA tournament. Didn't get in. Wichita State. It's not not a vintage Wichita State team this year. Um, no, the second half of last year and this year have not been good for Wichita State. Yeah, they were eighty fourth in Ken Palm. So I think the expectation would be that Clemson will win that game, but we'll see. Depending on what happens, we are going to have Banner Monday tomorrow, so we'll talk a lot more about that game in Banner Monday. No. So we don't. We'll, need we'll to. have we'll have Banner Monday on Monday. Jordan. Sorry, sorry, Banner Monday on Monday. It's it's still Saturday. I was um, like, man, are you just going to continue moving it around all the no. time? <laughs> no, no, we should be good. We'll do Banner Monday on Monday. So, uh, last thing, you know, we spent some time in the St. Francis post game show talking about how Archie really navigated the challenges of that game well. You know, some early timeouts when Indiana, you know, didn't have their focus early. Did a great job, I thought. I thought benching Duran in the second half was a smart move. He clearly responded to it. I think once again, you know, Archie, as we said, he calls out Duran Davis. Duran Davis responds. You know, he rides his guards hard minutes. Didn't really have an option, but those guys responded, you know, and came through with big games. Justin Smith wasn't giving it to him. You know, he found a way to get Zach McRoberts in there and give some good minutes and allowed Fitzner to play 12 minutes. Um, You know, we didn't see Demisi today. We didn't see Race Thompson today, but I thought the shortened rotation worked. The one thing I might have liked to see a little bit is, you know, toward the end of the game, maybe try and have some offensive possessions where Fitzner is in there because the offense had worked with he and Duran. But you know, that means probably defensively, honestly. Well, and that and that means taking Juwan out of the game. And at this yep. point, it's kind of hard to take Juwan, you know, out Especially of a close not, game. Especially not having so, him on the floor, what could be his final home game? I know. So I like. There's a part of me that would have liked to see it, but it's also like that was one stretch of basketball, and Juwan's been the much more reliable player than Evan. Yeah, so I sure. certainly give him a pass there. But anything else from this game that stood out to you in terms of the coaching? Uh, you know, I just think that he, he made a lot of the right decisions. He called a lot of timeouts late cause he had them and he just decided to use them for, you know, like, you know, this one between free throws. And then there was one after Devonte made his free throws instead of just letting that play out. He called the timeout because he got him. Can't take him with you. You know, might as well call it and, and set the defense, make sure everybody's on the same page. And it looked like they defended it pretty, the last play pretty well. Uh, so that stood out to me. I also, uh, think as you said, taking Justin Smith out and not continuing to force feed him in this game when Fitzner's playing better, when you know Duran's playing better. Uh, I realize those guys don't have the upside of a Justin Smith necessarily right now, but you know it, it's when a guy's hurting you, you take him out, and it doesn't matter you know how much of a project you're working on for next year or whatever with Justin Smith. You need you need to take him out of that game. One thing I will say is Archie deserves a heck of a lot of credit in the last two games for winning both of these without Romeo Langford. This team has relied on Romeo Langford a lot this year, especially late in games to finish things off. And they have survived two games without him. Uh, Romeo, again, from what I understand, they think he's going to play next week. Uh, and, and also Archie making the decision to not let Romeo try and go and saying, no, you're not going to hurt yourself playing in these games. You have to be healthy. And that's the right decision for Romeo. It might not be the best decision uh, well, it probably is the best decision because you want him to get fully healthy if you think you can win these two games. But you know, uh, sometimes a coach will let a kid force himself to go and see what happens, and they get they get injured more. So I I appreciate that he's looking out for Romeo's interests the most, which which is what this is all about. It's about the kids. It's about getting him to that next level. It's about graduating him. It's all of that stuff. And so Romeo has been great for Indiana. I've loved watching him play. If he's too injured to go for the rest of the NIT, I don't want him playing. You know, I don't want him forcing it because he's got a long career ahead of him that you don't want him to damage it at this point. Um, that said, if he can go next week, I'm going to be really excited to see him play against a team like Clemson, uh, who is going to have a lot of, you know, athletic individual guys who are going to go or out. Or Wichita State. Or, well, yeah, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm leaning towards I think Clemson is going to win that game. Uh, but, yeah, even against Wichita State, I'd love to see him play. But I'd love to see a refreshed Romeo after a week off, see how he can play. And uh, by the way, 
kudos to Romeo. He was as into this game as anybody on that bench. I don't know if you guys noticed that. It was pretty great mm-hmm. to watch. Uh, Joe in the chat mob says Indiana will play Tuesday at 830. He said that's according to Google, so grain of salt, but that would make sense. So I haven't okay. checked that, so just take that for what it's worth. One more question for you. There are going to be people who say, okay, Indiana's won these last two games without Romeo. You know, would the team actually be better? No. You know, playing these games without him since it's the guys who are going to be here next year. No. I, I, I agree with you. No, Romeo's part of this team. He's been a, he been a part of this team the whole year. He's bought in. He's never quit. He's never checked out, despite what some people have, have said about him. He's never checked out. He's as integral part of this team as anybody. And if he's ready to go and he's healthy, he should go. I'd say that about anybody on this team. They deserve the chance to go. Romeo being a one and done, who cares? He's part of this team. And you have to look at this team right now as an individual thing. I mean, I know you're trying to build towards next year, but you can build towards next year and have Romeo Langford in the game. So uh, I I think that's silly. I think the most, really the most impactful thing of these games is not only building confidence for next year, but it's also the practice time. And they're all going to practice whether or not Romeo's playing or not. Um, So I, I think that, you know, absolutely he should be on the team and he's an integral part of this team and he has never, ever checked out on this team and again on the bench today he was as into it as anybody he was jumping out on the floor to celebrate with guys when they came back off i mean it was it was really nice to see he and jerome Hunter. and, and just remember without him in there you have zero guard depth on the bench so no. it's a good thing no one got in foul trouble today you know so you've got that and you know maybe sitting on on the bench for a couple of games and seeing the impact a guy like Devontae can have when the ball goes inside out maybe that makes romeo a little bit more likely to drive and kick to Devontae and kind of see where some things can open up in the offense a little bit that maybe you know you don't quite see when you're in the game every single time sometimes for guys you know sitting on the bench and watching can show you a few things and maybe teach you a few things about your teammates too um you know and if that happens and he comes back right in the flow there's no question when you put a talent like him out there and the competition you know these are going to be good teams indiana's playing flawed teams but good teams and it would certainly help and give them a better chance to win if you've got him in there and hopefully he's able to get back and author a few final memories here before obviously he moves on to the nba and hopefully juan morgan's able to do the same thing and zach mcroberts and evan fitzner before they move on but they all did a good job of it today uh, so Indiana will get to move on. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, go to HomeFieldApparel.com. And if you want one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com. And on both sites, use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your entire order. All right, time for last call, Ryan. You lead us off. Uh, I thought it was a nice win today for Indiana. Obviously, started a little slower than you would like, but kept them within, kept the uh, Razorbacks within reach. And how sweet is revenge, by the way? Arkansas is a team that probably kept in Indiana out of the NCAA tournament. Um, so. God, seeing that last possession over and over again, both Ugh. Rob shot and Duran shot were so damn close. And by the way, the foul they called on on Duran still angers me to this day. Um, but no, it was great to get that to get that win in there. Great, <clears throat> great for some of those guys who didn't play particularly well in that game to show up and, and play well. Um, let's just keep going. I mean, this is this is this is fun. It's postseason basketball. I know it's not the the tournament we want to be in, but let's win the one we're in. And uh, it it's you know I'm looking forward to uh, watching these guys for another game. Looking forward to maybe Romeo coming back, and looking forward to seeing Juwan and you know Mick Roberts and Fitzner and all those guys play another game. I think it'll be. It, it's it's a blast watching this team play basketball when they're playing well. And what are they like six and one in their last seven or something? I mean, that's you know, you feel like they've gotten healthy and gotten on the same page and it took some time for that to happen, but you feel like you're looking at this team now and you're like, All right, I I like the way they're playing. So And the Big I, Ten I man you know, the Big Ten had a great start in the NCAA tournament. You know, going eight and twelve in the conference, it wasn't what we wanted, but man, it was something in a conference like the Big Ten. And Indiana's showing here that, you know, yeah, they you know, that the performance against Ohio State was not good. And that is, you know, kind of the one black mark here over the last seven games in, in the biggest spot, granted. I mean, and yeah. and so nothing that happens here, as we've mentioned, is going to erase the disappointment. And there'll be lots of time in the offseason to talk about that and reflect on it. But like you said, Ryan, you know, right now we're in this tournament. The guys have clearly embraced it. 
you know, the fans have clearly embraced it, and I'm so happy to see that. And we've got, you know, potentially three more times to watch this team play, three more games to potentially win, and maybe a championship to add. And so I'm just, I'm really, really encouraged by the way that the guys have played overall, that they're taking advantage of this opportunity, uh, and that the fans are doing the same thing. So excited to see who we're going to play next week, and excited to watch this team play uh, and uh, and do the post-game show afterwards because we will be here as we always are. All right, that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU post-game show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on Monday for Banner Monday to talk IU hoops again with you and then after Indiana's next game in the NIT. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.